Two Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. Welcome back to Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe, and as always, my brother, Coach Tony, is here. Tony. Hey, everybody out there in T-Bomb land. Uh, well, I hope you guys are being the best you. We're always expecting that of you guys. We expect that of, our, you know, we, we expect that of ourselves, don't we, Joe? Um, week, in, you know, week in and week out. But, uh, Joe, let me tell you something. I am beyond excited right now, as you can tell. When we talk about interviews on Two Brothers, One Mike, and, and we've had several in our 29 episodes thus far, uh, this one right here is one that, for the first time, allows us not only to to tell a feel-good story where we do our research and we tell the story, and we've done that in several episodes now, but, but we actually have a fantastic opportunity here to interview the individual the story was all about. Agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely a, uh, uh, something a bit different for us. It is. It is. It's, it's a first time on Two Brothers, One Mike, and it's extremely exciting. And without further ado there, I want to talk a little bit about her before we bring her on. Folks, with us today is a young lady from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, more specifically the town of Swissville, where the heart, pun intended, of this story takes place. She's an educator who went from kindergarten teacher to an elementary reading specialist in Northern Virginia. She is married to her wonderful husband, Paul, and they have two daughters, Charlotte and Natalie. She has a story for us today, which made national headlines in 2016 in papers such as the New York Times, just to name one, as well as coverage on ABC Nightly News, just to name one media coverage outlet. Many of you remember this, and you may remember this as we go through the interview. So, folks, welcome to Two Brothers, One Mike. Mrs. Jenny Maynor. Jenny, hello, and how are you today? Hey, hey guys. I'm doing really well. Super happy to have be on here with you guys and to chat about our story today. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, when me and Joe saw this story, uh, I did not see it in 2016. Uh, and if I did, I, I don't know. There's no way I did because I never would have forgotten about this story. It was actually something that was shared on, on social media uh, <laughs> some time ago. And I saw it and I, I texted Joe and I said, listen, this is a fantastic story right here. And it's all about it. It, it fits what we talk about our feel good stories on Two Brothers, One Mike. It's the perfect story. It's the best story I've ever read. And and, you know, he agreed 100 uh, percent as I speak for Joe. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I want to know, is there anything that you would want to add before we begin talking about how this all came about? No, no, I think I think just, you know, you guys hit the nail on the head. It's unbelievable experience on my end, too, yes. right? Like, totally unbeknownst to me, I get a phone call um, the day of our rehearsal. Um, my girlfriend worked at um, one of the news outlets in Pittsburgh. She goes, hey, calls me on my way to a brunch. Uh-huh. Um, your story just came across my news desk. I'm like, what? She, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, they told us you're doing this at this time. You're having your rehearsal. You're meeting, you know, your organ donor or your organ <laughs> recipient. Sorry. Can you guys hear the thunder? It's really loud. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. No, she calls us and says, you know, 
your, your story just came across my news desk and yeah. I was just flabbergasted. I had no idea how to react, you know, and, and right. as I'm walking down the aisle the next day, you know, all these cameras are fighting for the attention that my husband should be getting. <laughs> so it was interesting. But yeah, oh, was, now, man. hold on. Let's, let's be honest here. Your husband was never going to get any attention. You're the bride. <laughs> that's the way this goes. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah. go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yes. I'm totally, you know, unexpected. Yeah. For us too. Right. So. so, so that's that's more towards the end of the story. We just okay. kind of gave everybody a brief yeah. a brief look at that. Uh, but I think I think a good place to start here would be to talk about your father, Michael. I, it, it truly is the beginning of this story. Who who was he? Who was he? Yeah. So my dad's name is Michael Stepien. Mm-hmm. Um, super generous guy. Really loud, really big, tall, (laughs) fun, loving life of the party. You know, he walked into a room. Everyone always looked, everyone knew he was there. He had such a presence. Um, you know, he knew everybody in our small town. He knew everybody in the surrounding small towns. It was Mm -hmm. definitely something, you know, we always kept in mind when we were growing up because someone always knew my dad, if we were going to get up to mischief, um, he was super serious athlete, Um, he actually tried out for the Pittsburgh pirates in the late seventies. Um, he was always really proud of that. He had a piece of the old field that he had in a binder somewhere downstairs in our basement and he'd pull it out and talk about the good old days. Awesome. Yeah. He always played, he played softball, um, was still really active until about a year or so before he was murdered. He had some blood clots in his leg and stopped playing. Um, that really bummed him out. He was like, I'm going to get back on the field with my friends. Um, he was really proud of his girls, always telling everyone about our grades, our accomplishments, like always bragging. He was so thrilled. My sister was a star soccer player and I think he was happy. I just participated and did anything. Um, he was very excited. I did play college rugby, so he would come to watch me play and love that. Um, he'd always tell me, you know, always, he'd be like, why don't you run? You should just run. You should go mm-hmm. run. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do that. I was a little defiant to him sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, how old were you? When I, when he passed, I was 23, but always like in high school, he was always nudging. He's like, you should run, you should run. And I'm like, "Eh, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, but you know, years later I got the idea in my head that, you know, I'm going to run a marathon for my dad. Um, and it wasn't enough for me to run one. I ran, I did run three, um, in 2013. So I did, I did go out there and run and, you know, and I just, I love it now. And every time I'm out there, I try to choose a special song or like, if I'm feeling, you know, down, I'm just like, dad, you know, I, you're looking down. I know you are. You're so happy I'm out here running. Uh, and I'm sure uh, between the music and uh, all the positive thoughts and motivation that you feel like you're getting from your father, that just changes the game when you're running, doesn't it? Oh, so much, so yes. much. So, I mean, you know, you get to mile 20 of a marathon and you're like, oh gosh, I'm like, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here on the side and, you know, let me stop here. And I'm like, no, my dad would be like, keep going. He'd be there cheering number one fan. Yes. So. Yeah. And now your dad was by profession. He was a chef. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a chef um, trained and, you know, he loved to cook for other people. He was always sampling different things on us. And, you know, my mom never cooked and my dad always cooked. I never thought, you know, let me go in the kitchen and work with my dad. I had to Google how to cut an onion when I was moved down here in 2010. And I'd watch the same YouTube video every time, how to cut the nut, how to cut an onion. I'm like, Oh my gosh, my dad would be so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he'd be embarrassed of me too, uh, because I'm not the best onion cutter out there. Let me tell you. Um, and, and so, uh, and that, that's, I mean, that really paints the picture of him. Yeah. It really does. And so people can get an understanding of, okay. of the, how large, uh, he, when he came, when he showed up, uh, how large he was not, not necessarily physically, but just the presence he brought. 
uh, yeah. uh, socially, uh, you know, uh, in any surrounding, in any setting. Yeah, totally. He was just one of those guys that like, he was in the room, you knew where he was at all times. And you know, he was just circulating and talking to everyone. And he was really good at kind of schmoozing it up too, which is like, maybe that's where I get it from. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Um, but yeah, he was he was just a presence. And you know, he was so and he was so generous, like he heard someone needed something, he would be the first one like, well, let me go out there and help you with that. Or let me come over and bring you something to eat. Or let me, you know, help you out with, oh, you, you need someone to take your, you and your girl to the pool. Okay. Well, why don't you guys just come with us and, you know, we'll, we'll drive you there. I got um, you. yeah. So lots and, and lots and lots of friends and, and lots of people that sorely missed him and so, still do. And, and so that being said, when, when you say that, um, tragically, and I mean, just there were, his life is taken from him mm-hmm. and, how old were you when that happened? 23 years old? I was, I was 23. Um, I had just, you know, moved out in my own apartment a couple miles away with one of my close friends from high school. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm driving to work one day and my mom says, you know, there was a murder in Swissville last night. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Gosh, that's terrible. You know? And she's like, well, you know, and dad didn't come home last night. And sometimes that would happen. You know, my dad would go to a friend's house to help them. Someone that had been boozing at the bar and Mm -hmm. he takes them home and stays there and makes sure that they're okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't the most irregular thing that could have happened, but something in the back of my mind, you know, it, I just knew. I it was knew one of those day. things, yeah. I was just the, like, I can still remember that phone conversation on my way to work that day. And just my mom called me halfway through the day. She's like, don't panic. Don't cry in front of the kids. I was working at a preschool at the time. And, and she said, just, you need to get in the car and you need to come to the hospital now. And, you know, I, I just, I had no idea. You know, and all I remember is driving to the hospital um, and somehow navigating my way to this floor. And, you know, my mom, my mom had just gotten there herself and it was already noon. He had been brought in at midnight. I, and it was, I, yeah, it, when you, when you say that, I can't help but the, the first thing that I thought of in my head was how strong of a woman does your mom have to be in this situation? What you just told me what she was able to do with you, that's amazing to me, uh, to be able to keep your poise in that situation and try to keep everybody calm. Um, yeah, it was I, definitely I, because of her. I kept calm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, God bless her for that. That's that is truly. And and uh, you know, I think when people see the story, and they see that it, the anger, um, I, I assume those are the type of emotions that everybody is going to have at first is anger. Um, uh, I, I'm sure there. I can't even. I, I personally, Joe personally, and and most people can't understand what somebody's going through in that moment with all the different emotions that you're going through. And then time goes on from this. Mm-hmm. When do you? Wh- when were you able to start moving forward from this whole situation? And I, when I say that, I don't know that you ever move forward. When were you able to say, "I have to"? My dad would expect this of me. How? What? You know. I got to get one foot in front of the other and I've got to move on and I have to do it because I know this is what he wants for me. Yeah. So, I mean, my, one of my close friends actually really recently said to me, you know, I have every right to be angry and bitter um, about what happened. And that's just, you know, that's just not how I operate. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was, I was in a cycle of grief for a long time from probably the 2006, I would say until 
I moved down here to Virginia. I moved down here by myself. Um, I have a lot of sorority sisters and friends here, but I lived by myself. I'd never been by myself before. Um, and I just spent like a good two years just kind of, you know, coming out of the fog. I, that's what I would describe it as. You're just like in this fog, you know, you're kind of cycling through grief emotions. You're like doing things that are unhealthy for you. I was not probably the nicest person to be around Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, not all the time, but you know, and just like you're operating on a different level of things where you're used to being. And I, you know, it took me probably a good five or six years before one day I just was like, what am I doing here? You know, what, what, what would my dad say? Like, what would, what would I want? What do I want? I want more my life to mean more than just, you know, you know, going to work and going out and getting a drink and having wine and going to sleep, you know, or doing whatever I was doing. And it was just, it was a long, it was a long process, but once it was over, I felt like I was just full force, like, let me just go ahead and, you know, put this all out there and just start using my energy towards something else. And you basically took life by the horns and just went with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've always been a positive, happy person, but like there was always this, there was this undercurrent for a while and I didn't recognize it until I was out of it. And I didn't know I was in it. I thought, oh, I've moved past this. I'm doing great. I moved on, but you know, I had let myself gain like 60 pounds and I, you know, I was just medicating through food, through alcohol, overspending. And it's just, it's terrible. Like grief can rip you apart, but it also can show up in different ways. You're not always just crying behind the steering wheel of your car pulled over on the side of the road because Mm -hmm. you just started crying, hearing a song that reminded you of someone. Sometimes that happens too. It happens now. And I'm totally fine, you know, but, um, and sometimes it comes over me like at the end of September every year, it's always a wash with, you know, um, just emotions. You know, I, I even asked to not, have to have my daughter induced on her due date, which was the 18th of September, because I said, there's no way I do not want her born on the 28th or the 29th of September. I'm not leaving that to chance. Uh, I didn't want that all colliding. Um, so that happens so much where you see the, it just recently, um, for us, our grandmother, uh, passed away and she passed away on our aunt's birthday her daughter's oh, birthday. So, sorry. so and, and, but it's, it had that, that stuff happens and it's, you know, I, so I understand what you're saying there mm-hmm. where you don't want those two dates to be synonymous with one another. Um, uh, you celebration and grieving and you kind of want to keep them separate, right. um, so to speak. Um, but again, neither Joe nor myself, nor, uh, the greater percentage of the people that are listening to this, maybe some people are listening to this that have had the same situation happen. Uh, we can't say that we completely understand. So if I was to sit here and say, I understand if Joe was to sit here and say, I completely understand. We don't, we just simply are listening to it in awe because of how you were able to persevere through what is a very tragic moment in your life. And it's to me, uh, it's amazing. Uh, and it's truly uh, a, a wonderful thing to see more than anything else. And you know what, Tuti, it's, it's also worth mentioning that, um, you know, e- even if we did go through the exact same scenario, I mean, if the exact same, exact same thing had happened to us, again, there's that whole idea that everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it wouldn't have as much of a or outwardly impact on one of us, but you know what I'm saying? So even still, it's just, nobody could really say how somebody is supposed to do it. And I think sometimes those on the outside looking in kind of lose that, uh, that perspective. They forget that, you know, Hey, um, maybe this is how I would deal with that loss, but 
you know, this is a different person and they're going to do it their way. Regardless. Very true. Yeah. So, so true. You know. So true. Well, put. yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this happens and you start to take life by the horns. Yeah. And for sure. uh, time goes on and you meet some guy named Paul Maynor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you like this guy because you're going to marry him. And <laughs> so now we end up in the summer of 2016 and yourself and Paul getting ready to exchange vows. The part of the story that absolutely brings a smile to everybody's face across the country and maybe even across the world at this point. Yeah. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what decision or, or who suggested uh, with this, with the main part of the story is about who suggested it, who made the suggestion, who initiated the conversation of having him come to yes. walk me down the out. So it, yeah. I, I was um, all for it. You know, I, I get very excited, and I said, "Oh man, you know, I just really want Tom, who yes. is my dad's heart recipient, yes. um, who I'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. I really want him to walk me down the aisle. I'm going to call him. My husband Paul goes, well, now my now husband, he goes, you need to slow down a minute. He's like. You don't know that he's going to want to do that, and you don't want him to feel pressured to do it. So he said, why don't you write him a letter? So I did. I wrote him a letter, and I said, hi, it's it's me, Jenny, mm-hmm. um, Mike's, Mike's daughter. And um, Paul and I are getting married in August, and we're really – I mean, we, lo- we cannot wait to – to have you at the wedding. Like we're clearly inviting you. We're so excited to meet you and your wife, Nancy. Um, and I, by the way, I was wondering, um, would you be up for walking me down the aisle? Um, because my dad can't be there obviously, but, um, you're just a, such a significant part of our life. We would love to have you there, um, and do that honor if you're up to it. He called me as soon as he received the letter. I was going to ask. Okay. He called me as soon as he received it. He's like, Hey, it's Tom. And only my mom, or us through my mom at her house had ever talked to him on the phone. Okay. Um, I had I had put my phone number in the card, you know, I'm like, here's my cell phone number. If you want to talk about it, anything, he's like, I'm going to hundred percent do it. I just don't know how I'm going to hold it together. And I said, that's okay. I'll be right there with you. I said, thank you. Son. And I, the greatest gift to be able to have him come, not only to come to our wedding, but to have him um, walk me down the aisle and, you know, bring some closure to, um, everything that had happened, especially for my mom and sister. Um, we were talking about grief earlier. My sister, um, was still heavy, deep in grief. And I just really wanted to do that for them as well. And I just, you know, I felt like it was right. Like my dad would think would just be smiling down, knowing that like whatever he had done, you know, had had this ripple effect. And now this man is here and he could be there because of my dad. So who better to ask? And, I mean, when you look when you look at this, and folks, if you haven't seen uh, this yet, it's all over social media. Uh, the the uh, I think I googled Jenny Maynor wedding, and you can easily see the story on ABC Nightly News. Um, when you look back at uh, at the tragedy, uh, you know, especially at such a young age, mm-hmm. and, and see that somehow years later, something positive in nature could come from all of this. What thoughts come to your head? In other words, if Jenny has a moment of peace uh, in, in a lifestyle full of you know marriage and little munchkins and yeah. a, a career, <laughs> uh, trust me, we're parents, uh, as she sits with her glass of wine on her patio for one split second and reflects on this amazing story, what, what thoughts come into your head at that point? You know, and I, I tell people this a lot, like I'm always in awe of the good that come out, can come out of any situation. You know, we had this window 
of brief time where we had the opportunity to be generous instead of just thinking like, oh, what are we going to do now? Plan a funeral. You kind of get caught up in those things, I think, when someone dies. Um, And, you know, sometimes I think about this. I think, you know, I read somewhere that organ donation is treating life like a relay race instead of like a marathon. And Mm. that really resonated with me. Like you have the chance to pass the baton and to keep life moving. And it's, it's rather cyclical. Like if you think of it that way. Um, And sometimes you think also, I I would try to tell my students, I like you think a decision you make has no bearing on others, you know, in kindergarten, you're teaching like, oh, there's cause and effect, right? Like you do this in the hallway or you yell real loud Mm -hmm. because someone else taking a test and then they get distracted. Um, You think about other people, other people matter. Um, But just look what happened here, right? Like my dad had no idea, obviously, um, that he saved three lives that day. But we also got to see over the last 15 years, our friend Tom's life unfold so beautifully. Um, And then, you know, obviously the media caught wind of what was happening. Like, look at the impact that had, you know, and then I've had countless people tell me they've signed up to be organ donor, an organ donor because of that. Uh Um, And that just was an exponentially beautiful way that at one tiny decision, things that we thought, you know, in our grief, we're just making this decision to just help other people. And I've always just leaned into that decision that we've made, you know, yes. and I, I always think that, and I'm like, I'm so comforted to know that my dad's life wasn't in vain. I think of that sometimes, you know, like it, he was worth more than being held up in, at gunpoint and, you know, left to die somewhere. Yeah. I, 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 I truly believe that he was smiling from ear to ear uh, with the decision that you guys made. I think that was, that, that was, it just, I, I literally get tongue tied. I'm not somebody who's at a loss for words. Let me tell you, if you ever listen to our podcast, <laughs> but, but this story, it just amazed me when I, when I seen it, when I read it, it, it just amazed me. And sometimes when I'm trying to explain it, I can't believe what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's crazy. But you said something uh, just now when you were talking about organ donation, uh, we we talked previously to you about this interview where we talked on the phone. We messaged each other back and forth. And you brought up something that we didn't even look at, meaning Joe and I, uh, when deciding this has to be something we tell on Two Brothers, One Mike. You want people to understand something very important, very near and dear to you in this process when it comes to organ donors. What message do you want our listeners to understand? Do you want everybody to understand? Sort of a, an untold story, if you will. Yeah. So, I mean, our, our situation is not typical. So I, I know this, but, you know, we have a special and certainly unique situation that we've been Mm -hmm. able to cultivate this relationship with Tom and his family. Um, and this came about a mutual want to be able to have this. Um, so, I mean, I've shared openly about my grief, my sorrow, of course, my joy in our situation. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, people don't understand. I don't think like how it comes about. Right. So just understanding that, you know, when you are an organ donor, you're, you're, you're donating someone's organs that they do educate you on what happens next. They do kind of walk you through the process. Um, and there are different organizations. The one we used was called core. Um, they act as a liaison between families and, you know, nothing identifies who is who nothing tells you where someone lives. But if, if you want to, you can reach out to the person that received or the person that donated. Um, and you can write them a letter, you know, giving some information and you can be pretty generic. Um, and you just, you know, you reach out and you can say thank you, or you can, you, you know, talk about like your loved one a little bit. Um, no, none of the situation situational stuff, of course. 
just the, the whole process, there are a lot of people that are, you know, kind of working behind the scenes to make like this happen. Like they, they take the organ, they tell you what happens next. They, they keep you informed. They call you. Um, it's, it's so interesting. And, you know, just knowing that in your grief, like that's how your loved one's going to live on. Um, and I've just, I've never pressured anyone to, you know, sign up, be an organ donor. You have to do it. You know, it's the best decision ever. No, but it, I mean, you do have the chance to impact others, um, after, after your death, you know? Well, well, you know what? And that being said, um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to make sure that people understand this also. Mm -hmm. When you had said that your father had saved three lives, uh, Tom was not the only person who received an organ uh, from from your father. It was actually right. two other people. Yes. So um, two others um, received his kidneys. My, so my dad was a diabetic mm-hmm. and he was couldn't use all of his organs affected by the disease. But the two kidneys were also able to be used. Um, so we had received uh, a plaque. And so my mom and I were like, oh, we're going to go to CORE and receive this plaque for a donation. We go there. There's this beautifully engraved, huge plaque that they had written us a letter on and just told us all about their life. And my mom wrote them a, a thank you note, like said, re- reached out back. Um, she just responded. And um, and that it was beautiful. And we left it at that. You know, it was great. And my mom has it displayed in her home. It's absolutely beautiful. And I read it every time I go home to visit. And there was another, um, the other person that received the other kidney, they reached out to my mom, said, thank you so much, you know, through CORE as a liaison. And um, my mom wrote back. And then that was that, you know. Um, But then Christmas that year, 2006, we got a letter from Tom, which came via CORE. Uh And the, the love that enveloped us as we were preparing to spend our first Christmas without my dad, it was undeniable. It was beautiful. Um, and that, and that began, uh, a, a different type of relationship than with the other two recipients, uh, yes. that you guys had with Tom. Yes. I, what got the ball rolling was, you know, my mom wrote back again, mm-hmm. through core, but then Tom wrote her back. <laughs> okay. And then she replied. So this went on, this goes on for new year, nearly two years. Um, there is a certain point where you have to clear like of time, um, where they each separately agreed to and asked for via core, they asked, um, for open communication. And then we got his phone number and his address and he got ours and they started talking on the phone and flowers started sending, showing up at our house that he was sending. And he said, you know, is calling my mom and checking in and she's talk, calling him and checking in and they're sharing, you know, um, situations like, oh, my daughter is about to do this and my daughter's graduating and my, my daughter is getting engaged and my daughter's engaged and how exciting and um, just talking back and forth and, you know, kind of like having that friendship that she, she built that friendship with him. That is just, I, I, I mean, folks, you, this is a podcast where it's audio only, but if you could see my face uh, right now, I am just in complete awe and just shaking my head back and forth and not because I'm upset with what she's saying. I'm just amazed at how something so tragic can, can something so good could come out of that. And I think that's something uh, that's the takeaway really here um, from this story, Jenny. I can't believe um, the positives that have come from, from that one negative uh, yeah. is just amazing to me. It truly uh, is. Joe, you, know, you wanted to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Jenny. So I, um, I YouTubed, your story today. And of course there's like a million links, but I yeah. found one. It's only good TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, over 64 or 67,000 subscribers, whatever. But, uh, you know, they, they 
everything that you said. It was it was a pretty good summa- uh, summation of of the whole story that that you had told. Um, you know, from when you met uh, Tom to when uh, what his initial response was, and it was pretty cool. But I noticed though, uh, you had people give donations to Core in lieu of doing the uh, flowers at the wedding. Is that yes? Yeah, yeah, so we put out a donation jar um, in case people, you know, wanted to give. And we did receive some. I mean, obviously, it's our wedding. We don't really – we just put it out. So sure. You put it out there. You know, if you want to give, mm-hmm. that's fine. We're not – we're giving because we're not having flowers at our wedding. Instead, we don't need a donation decor um, because we we wanted to give back. And, you know, they – they gave us so much by doing just their jobs and right. it gave us so much comfort. And, you know, they were able to act as that liaison between my mom, between Tom, they gave us a lot of education about what had happened and what was going to happen. Um, so that was, that was amazing. And, yeah. you know, they were definitely very instrumental in the whole thing for sure. They were. And you know what, it was them that called the media because my mom uh, called them to tell them, Oh, Hey, just so you guys know, if you want to send someone, you know, because you guys were such a huge part of this for us. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, no, we're going to tell, we're going to tell people, um, what happened. And that was, it was just amazing to us. Hi, hi, hi. hi. She snuck up here. <laughs> now is that Charlotte or is that this Natalie? Is, this is Charlotte. So okay. Natalie's three months um, and Charlotte uh, just turned two. Okay. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's Natalie. Oh. <laughs> she's, she's doing good. Um, yeah. So, so now are you still affiliated with Cora? I mean, are you still like, uh, you know, doing anything as far as, uh, taking donations or um it, it i mean it's always on my heart to you know give to them and because we just owe so much to them and i'd love to do more with them in the future um apparently i mean when i'm a little less busy right now i'm a little sure. busy with the girls and you know yeah. they i mean like i said they were instrumental like they told us everything they walked they were so calm you know we're like it's two o'clock in the morning they're talking us through every little detail of what's going to happen when they're going to call us what's going to when we're going to find out you know we knew pretty immediately um like what they were able to use and what was able to be done i mean we had no other choice at that point you know my my dad was gone it it was barely 24 hours right um and they just you know just thinking back on it like they're probably the reason like we were able to just like keep on going because we had something to look forward to that was kind of you know keeping us going during that time it was so hard and so dark you know so they're genuinely a very um they're a very thorough organization when it comes to this um organ donation and making sure that everybody uh, from the family is on the same page with them. In other words, they, they truly care about the well-being of the family. Is what, so is what much. Yeah, okay. They provide counseling. They mean, they, they do outreach. They do a ton of stuff. I mean, they have, um, they have a ceremony every, they were having ceremonies every year where they would just honor the people that had donated wow. and it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just incredible. Their jobs. And, you know, there's, they're just, they are for people and that, that can be so hard. I mean, I, it just takes special people to do that. And they were, they're definitely a group well, of special yeah, people. We would love to, to maybe do another show and, and really get into that with, uh, with you. And even if a representative from them wanted to do uh, an interview with us as well, uh, to get that message up, because I honestly don't think a lot of people know about this. Yeah, so yeah. what I'm going to do is, um, 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. I put a link to that to that video in last week's episode so people can have an idea of what your story was about before awesome. this one. Um, but what I'll do in this one here is I'm sure they have a, an organizational website or what have you uh, for CORE. And I'll put a link there as well if anybody wants to donate. That's to amazing. Well. Thank you that so that much. Be, uh, Absolutely. Good thing well, to have. So, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, Miss Charlotte has an agenda. And, <laughs> and so we are going to hurry up here to help her agenda out. Uh, we talked about feel-good stories as part of this show. Uh, I'm not sure it gets uh, any better than this. Uh, it's a hard feel-good story to beat, no doubt. Jenny, we cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your busy life, as we can see, to spend an hour with us today, as well as all the communicating you did with us leading up to today. Thank you so much. Stay in touch, please. God bless you and your family, truly. Um, and again, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts here at Two Brothers, One Mike. I thank you guys. No, it was an amazing opportunity. I love chatting with you. And I mean, Vera, I'm always available to do follow up and we can always chat again about any other aspect of the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, thank so you guys so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks. Joe, I, I, I have to tell you that story, you know, it, it, it amazed me. The first time I saw it it, it, it literally, I still feel the same way now as I did the first time I saw it, whether I'm watching the actual video from the ABC Nightly News clip or whether I'm reading the story online or whether, you know, reading it in the New York Times, wherever, whatever avenue I'm taking, every time I see the story, it's just like, it's like a, you know, a good movie that you've already seen, but you end up sitting down and watching it again. Uh, it's just absolutely, it, it's a feel good story. All right. And, and it, it makes me feel like there is hope in this world, that, that the majority of this world is good. And even in the eye of evil, we can find good. Yeah, no, true. Very true. And I'll tell you, um, every time I see it, because it, it always comes across my Facebook timeline every once in a while i you know i see it and it's funny because i knew the story before and i'm just like oh yeah no i read about that already mm -hmm. but i mean over the span of what five years now right. i've seen it numerous times and then you know it's just it's awesome that we actually had a chance to talk to this person yeah that's a whole uh, different you know. it's a whole different ball game when you actually sure. get it because folks we we talked to her you know we you you we have the interview but we always talk to the people we're going to interview beforehand and that conversation was, I think, twice as good when we spoke with her before we actually did the interview. So, right. you know, that that was just something that that uh, definitely we have to cherish forever there. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, not to change gears here, but uh, we kind of have, have to. to. We're going yeah, we to talk about what we have in store for next week. We're going to start a conversation on the carnivore diet and the possible advantages as well as the disadvantages in following this meat only lifestyle. It's basically the opposite of a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I can tell you already, I'm 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 already not a fan. Uh, and it's, <laughs> Come on. And it's, it's only because it's based on this word only you yeah. know it seems like it's it's one of those extreme things and uh again my my litmus test is everything uh deals with sustainability and when yeah. we look at this word only it's like really uh so you can never have even god you can't even have vegetables you can't even have another healthy thing right um and so for me i i just you know again any extreme it's just i have a hard time uh you know, dealing with that. But anyways, yeah. let's see if science and research over the span of the, over the next week uh, can change my mind. Doubtful. Maybe, you know, I, you uh, never know. 
I mean, here's why you're, you're going to tell them why right now. Yeah. Well, there's, there's going to be an interview that's going to stem from next week, week's episode as well uh, with a Mrs. Amber Landsman butcher. Mm-hmm. She's a professor an exercise science specialist, a health and wellness consultant, as well as a professional trainer. And just so happens to be a supporter of the carnivore diet. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say about what I just said. Um, you know, yeah, I, she's think of mine, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, um, we actually just got off the phone. Um, and I, it, it would make no sense when you actually listen to this because we just got off the phone yesterday. It doesn't mean anything on a podcast. When was yesterday? Right. But yeah, nonetheless, yeah. we spoke recently, I think would be the way I want to put it. And we talked for over an hour because I haven't talked to her in a while. And, um, we talked all about the carnivore diet and I, Joe, I think she might change your mind. I think she might change your mind. I think you're going to try it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, I need fiber in my, in my life, uh, you know, especially with that amount of protein, but eh, who knows? I'm it's curious possible. to see what she has to say. Curious That's the beauty of it, right? Say. That's the yep. beauty of it. They, like I tell folks, we're not here to tell you, this is how you have to eat. We're giving you all these different options throughout right. the entire journey. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, all right, folks. Well, until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or opinions, you can leave us a voice message via the link in this episode's description. For our Spotify listeners, we now have a new way for you to interact with the show through polls and questions offered in each show's description as well. Finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, be the best you out there, and we will see you again next week.